Howdy Perry sisters and allies, Beth, Annie, Nat, and future guests are here to talk about how perimenopause is affecting our lives. We have more than likely been boozing, so if you're easily offended or you're looking for serious medical advice, you should see yourself out right now. What's behind these fits of rage? Decreased libido and dry vag stage. Why can't I focus on this fucking page? It's perimenopause. Welcome to Beth and Annie's Perimena Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Beth, and I have been in perimenopause since I was 38. I will soon be 46, and I'm still no. in perimenopause. Yes, I will be 46 next month. That's crazy. That's closer to 50 to 40. Fuck you. That, that's exactly what you said to me when you turned 45. And I mentioned to you that that would round up to 50. You said that exact same thing. What would compel you to say something like that? It's just math. Good reaction. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, Annie, who are you? I'm your sister. I also started perimenopause when I was 38. I'm 42. So I've been in four years. That rounds down to 40, by the way. What an ass kisser. <laughs> I haven't seen her in a long time. I miss her. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, good to see you. Too. I know. We're, yeah, we took a little hiatus. We could talk about why that happened. <laughs> I'd love to. I would love to talk about it. We probably have to. Nat, why are you here? Today I'm here. I've really missed both of you. I haven't talked to really either of you in a long time, and I'm still learning like I have been the whole time. Hmm. And you, you guys, two have you been one of the 44. biggest. Huh? Sorry. No, go ahead. What was I think that? I'm 44. Are you 44? <laughs> you don't know how old you are? Oh, I have no God. idea. I'm 44. 78. Right. So to the 80. Nat just did it in his head. Look at his How old is she now? 40. She was born 44. in November of 78. I figured it out. She's 40. I did the math. How does it perimenopause for longer? What'd you say, Nat? She's 43. Yeah. You're 43. You oh, will right, be 44 right. this year. Yes, that was compelling good. stuff, by the way, for the podcast right there. <laughs> we'll have to talk about my memory in a minute here. i got to make a note of that. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you now. No, no, you should talk about uh, your understanding of time zones. <laughs> uh, so the podcast started 1.30 Eastern time. I knew that. I clarified it twice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yet I was still 50... 30 minutes late because I couldn't figure it out. I thought I had well, another hour. It was really only the phone call from Beth that caused you to. Yeah, I was getting in my car. Yeah, when she called, the garage door was going up. Yeah, I think I was thinking 2.30 your time, 1.30 my time. So I think I was thinking central, not Eastern. But yeah, remind me because I need to talk about memory. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I'm here because I'm trying to learn. You know that. You know the drill. You know why I'm here. I know. And I know you have a, at least one interesting anecdote to relay of something that happened in the last, I, I don't even know how many months. Let's just pretend it's only been one since we right. did this. But I know the last time we recorded, we were trying to record about like identity, right? Annie was struggling with some like personal, yeah. professional stuff and so that was part of the reason then for a while we didn't record. And then Annie's, I feel like, and you can speak to this maybe in a minute, like that seemed to have resolved somewhat recently. Yep. 
And then I <laughs> was having some like professional identity stuff going on, like too working too much and then not knowing if this is what I wanted to do and having to prioritize other things. Some also, you know, personal family issues that we had to manage. And now that those are actually really in a good place, uh, we can come back. So I'm excited because I have, this is so fun. And as Nat texted us or me, the fans are clamoring. One friend from high school reached out and she was like, are you going to record more? I love your podcast. Yeah. I mean, our, our fans, they're small in numbers, like relative to like the Joe Rogan podcast or something. Oh my God. Well, he does have a lot of followers. I'm not saying I'm a big fan or anything, but uh, our fans are, are diehards. That's right. Right. We love them for it. Sure we do. All right. Annie, um, is there anything you want to talk about specifically today? Yes. I want to talk about how my identity, like my identity crisis was, I'd say mostly resolved. I mean, not fully, but mostly. So I want to talk about that. And then I've really been struggling with memory, like kind of scary struggling, clearly. So yeah, those are the two things I really want to talk about. Okay. I want to talk about rage. And sort of figuring out like what was happening. I guess I can, I can start with that today. So there was an incident and I really can't speak to it too specifically until after my court date. What? <laughs> oh yeah, mom told me Are you lying this. about that? I'm not no, lying she's about not. Why do, I'm just hearing about this on the air now. <laughs> I thought we were tighter than that, Beth. Well, I meant to, you know, like, I, I was going to tell you, we have a good we, story. We have, Annie knows the story. It's, I mean. Okay, but if I had a court related incident that surrounded rage in any way, I would at least shoot you a text. (laughs) You know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was like rage. It was just like, I was so hangry in the moment that I wasn't, well, so part of it was like, I had just ovulated. I was starving. We were, I was the one driving to go pick up takeout. Uh Um, And essentially what I can say is that it was leaving the scene of property damage, which is like illegal. And I got caught. Well, that's a great story. Wow. I'm probably only going to be able to use about 20% of it, but we're all going to be waiting on eggshells. Um, Right. It can be a teaser for like after my court date. Can we do uh, maybe, maybe like an on location episode from the courthouse? (laughs) I don't have to go to court. It's a Zoom meeting. Like, to, oh, Annie, I think you should talk about your identity stuff. Okay. So for years, let's say five years, I've been struggling with identity because I have no interest in doing what I was educated to do. And it's such a pigeonhole job. Being a school psychologist, I can't really do anything else. So... I struggled with that because I spent seven years trying to get a degree for that and money that was, that was okay. I lucked out with that process, but didn't feel like I was a good, so I didn't feel like I was a good employee and I like to work. So for me, that is a, a huge part of my identity. I didn't feel like I was a good mom because I couldn't be a role model of my kids when their behavior spirals. I always take that personally. And then wife, I didn't feel like I was a good wife because our personalities are so different and what he needs is not what I need and vice versa. So that can be very challenging. And then 
and I wasn't sleeping and that just makes everything worse. During the pandemic, I stopped going to the gym. I stopped socializing. And those are the two things that I really needed previously in order to keep going and just keep functioning. So I really spiraled during the pandemic. It was, I mean, it was, it was really bad. Like thinking so many times, like it would just be better if I wasn't here. Not suicide, not like I have a specific plan and I know what I'm like weapon, nothing like that. It was just, wouldn't it be nice if there was just nothingness and I didn't have to deal with all this drama and anxiety, internal drama and anxiety. So anyhow, that's going on really intensely for about a year. And then I thought, okay, I'm just going to do what I really want to do, which is be around kids, especially little kids. I love it. There's no money in it. I love it. And I I also like the people that are also drawn to that. So that's honestly that a lot of drugs and then great therapy is what has got me through. So I'll be a little bit more specific. I'm so I work part-time, which is wonderful since I am introverted, the INFP, like I need most of the hours of the day to be about myself. And so I can do the stuff that I love in the morning with the people that I love. And then the afternoon, it can just be me before the kids get home. So, so the first part, first piece of the like resolving identity crisis puzzle is work. Okay, check, check that box. I got that figured out. The other one was just figuring out a way to balance the chemicals in my brain because I have depression, anxiety. And so sometimes one will flare up more than the other. And so it just always is like a balancing act. Went to the doctor about a year ago and I explained everything that was happening and I probably said this in one of our previous podcasts, but she asked how I was doing and I was, then I just started bawling in her doctor's office and I'm pretty stoic. Like that's just not me. I've never done that before. And so it was at that point that she said, you're not okay. You need help. These are the things that you need to do. You need to find a therapist. And she gave me a list. You need to contact a med manager that's specifically for your meds. You need to find something that, you know, brings you joy. So for me, that's working with little kids and you need to figure out your sleep. So really those four things. Oh, and spend time with your friends. Yeah. So I did. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever done because I didn't want to do any of it. I was so like dark, depressing. The easiest thing to do is just stay in bed. Um, but I forced myself to make the calls. And that is the hardest thing to do was make those calls. Like if, if somebody had said, okay, you know, I landed all for you. Here's your therapist. We got all your meds figured out. Um, you don't have to go anywhere. We'll come to you but that's not how it was. I had the list. I had to make all the calls. Everybody was pretty much booked, which is hard because when you have anxiety and depression, your window is pretty short with how much time you're willing to spend on something. And I clearly have ADHD too. So that's another factor, but I did. So I went, everybody was booked. I went down the whole, all the therapists on the first page, flipped it over. And then like halfway through, I finally got into somebody and they said, I can get you on a waiting list. and we can get you in two months. I'm like, that's right. I'll take it. She's been amazing. She's helped me so much. Um, yeah. So therapy. And then my med manager is also amazing. Um, and they don't let me pretend that I'm okay, which is really nice. So it's really, how are you feeling? What are your symptoms? What do you need? And I needed more Wellbutrin. I was really scared to take more. So I'm at three, I was at 300 for the longest time and you can only go up to 450. Like that is where you're sealing out. That's the highest dose. And I didn't feel comfortable doing that because I'm always worried about putting stuff in my body that can control me that I have no control over. Like that really scares me. Another thing that really scares me is putting trust in somebody else. So I did that. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to abandon everything and trust these people that they know what they're doing. This is their profession. So I did. And I went on the 415. It was the best thing I've ever done. Oh my God. 
It's so great. So that combined with sleep. So we tried a couple of things for sleep. And I think we may have talked about it on the podcast previously. So clonopin. No, we haven't. Yeah, oh, we yeah. haven't recorded okay. since you tried the clonopin, which is really? my favorite. Oh my God. That was amazing. And I never took it during the day because part of me didn't want to know what it truly felt like because I was afraid I'd get addicted. So I just would only take it at night for sleep. And then it was supposed to be like as needed, maybe two or three times a week, you know, like one day and then three days later, take it again. So not like consecutive days ever. And I was doing that. And then um, I noticed at work, like I would just forget stuff, not, not really forget stuff, just well, definitely that, but almost like this lack of awareness. So it was like my brain was sticky heavy, like covered in plaque because I couldn't do the word retrieval, which is, I've always struggled with that, but this was like even more so I was having a hard time just carrying on a conversation, like processing language. That was, I'm struggling with that. I, I don't even know if it's forgetfulness necessarily, because I feel like that's just indicational things. This was like constant. Like I could not remember the next sequence of things in my life. Like I could not process anything. And so she's like, yeah, that's a side effect of clonopin. We need to take you off. And I was like, oh, okay. Womp, womp. That we did. We took me off. And then my brain started to clean up. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. This is what it feels like. And before I told her, I'm like, it's annoying that I can't remember these things. But my coworkers are wonderful. They are fine. They just point me in the right direction. But they tell me what to do. And so they don't really don't seem bothered by it. And I'm happy. Because I, you know, I'm on this hydrocephal future and I'm sleeping now. I'm like, I really don't care that I, I can't like, have a conversation with somebody or, or remember anything, but she cared. So switched me to lorazepam. Mm-hmm. I think it goes like by the name Adam, Adamin or Ad, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that was also amazing. Um, she said, you know, take a half to a full tab. I ended up having to take a full tab, but it was the same thing. Like I needed it repeatedly. And so the last time I went in, that's her dog. What's she doing? She loves me and she wants to. Oh, she's outside. She's also another piece of the puzzle. Oh God, I love this so much. Okay. Um, so last time I went in, I explained, like, I'm still super forgetful. It's annoying, but I can still be somewhat functional. But I do feel like I can only sleep when I take it. And so she called that an emotional addiction. And she said, okay, we actually have to pull you off of that now because you're emotionally addicted to it. You think you can't sleep unless you have it. I trust her. So I said, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't want, great, let's let's do this. And so now I am on trazodone. Have you heard oh this? yeah, I was prescribed trazodone. that. It was okay. okay. It's, I mean, yeah. yeah, like the clonopin, I know that'll work. The trazodone That's was my like, favorite. Eh. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know the difference with or without it. Work, sleep, oh. And then through therapy, that's been great because, and you always hear this, you have to focus on yourself and how actually when people say things like, oh, you're so selfless, like that's not a good thing to say because you shouldn't be selfless. You should put yourself first and you should do things for yourself first. So I had to remind myself, like in my family dynamic, I am one of five. I was being five of five, like my whole self consumed one of our kids at one and it just about killed me. I thought, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't be consumed by this person because I'm losing myself. And I had to be okay with that. I had to be okay with, okay, she might be a sixth grade dropout and she might have to marry somebody from like Alabama, but that's fine. 
whatever works for her. I can't. Worst case scenario, but you know. yeah, she can go to the hills of Alabama and find somebody. It's it's great, good for her. But so that was a huge part part of it too. Is I had to re remove myself physically and then emotionally from my youngest daughter, who I love so much and was consuming so much of my time and energy. Um, I started working out again. That's huge. It's running, you know, the endorphins, instant release, and then it just made me feel good about myself. And then the social piece. I started seeing my friends again, and that helps a lot because I do feel like that's a part of myself that's outside of the family, which is really important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so all those things combined, I feel like I'm finally feeling whole. And I'm so glad of the timing of everything because then when COVID hit, I was like, meh. I mean, we got it. Um, our youngest got it. My husband got it. And if this had happened a year ago, I, I don't think I could have handled it. Like, like committed, couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um, I make a fourth of what I used to, but I am four times happier. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah. That's um, great. Work. Yeah. Sleep. But memory. Yeah. So if so does your memory, happens. your memory seems a little bit better after not being on the clonopin, right? But it does. Yeah. 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 And then the same thing was happening with the lorazepam because it's from part of the same family. Yeah. It's a family thing. And I want to get discouraged because insomnia is the worst. Mm -hmm. It didn't start until perimenopause until I was 38. Before that, I took it for granted. Like as soon as my head hit the pillow, I was out and I would sleep great. Like I thought everybody did. I didn't really know insomnia was all about. No, um, we're not all that lucky. If, if oh I had a wife, she would probably really struggle with insomnia and it might lead to rage. It does. You just can't function. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's um, so much science behind like, the importance of sleep. And Speaking of that, I know I, I texted both of you about this when it happened, but I was hoping since Beth told a story and Annie told a story, I was hoping I could relay like a little yes. story that happened in my home or might have happened in my home, possibly which is maybe like a month ago. So right when all of Beth's drama was going down, she didn't tell me about. She didn't tell me either. I found out through my No. Mom. You knew more than I did. You said right when right when she goes, oh, I know about this. I, I didn't, I was complete. I'm, this is complete. Not from me. I didn't tell her. Yeah. Hmm. Can't tell her mom anything. I know. You, know. you know that though. I know, I know. Right. Well, anyway, so me and my oldest child were in the kitchen and one of the things, and it's ironic that she is into this. She's really into organizing stuff and she's what? really good at it, which is ironic because she is just like a walking tornado of a train wreck. But if you say to her, hey, organize this drawer or something, she's fantastic at it and loves doing it. She says she maybe wants to be an interior designer, which is just crazy. So there's a bunch of places in our kitchen cabinets where there's just pots and pans and like the lids are just kind of all over the place. And it's clutter really bothers me like a lot we have a pretty cluttered house but it's way less than it would be if I wasn't actively trying to keep it uncluttered so does your theoretical wife clutter does not bother her oh it bothers the shit out of her oh we're all just kind of the same way like we're, we're you know like her desk at work is just like you know a mountain of things um but it bothers us like it's like having a rock in your shoe kind of and so anyway I was like this cabinet is really bothering me hey will you clean it out and so she does really happily and then takes it upon herself kind of with my blessing to just kind of reorganize where everything in the kitchen goes just kind of make it work a little better put all the bowls in the same place put all the pots and pans on the same shelf so it works better well 
if I were married and my wife came home, saw what had happened in the kitchen, she would not have been happy at all and might have gone the fuck off on me like <laughs> um, for moving shit around the kitchen without her permission. So this became a little bit of a sticking point and, you know, we didn't really argue. It was more just like she was yelling at me and I was kind of trying to explain why I'd, why I had allowed it to happen. And then at some point, the sticking point became not that I had organized the kitchen or reorganized the kitchen, but that I was being really dismissive about how angry she was about it. <laughs> Which um, I wasn't, which I wasn't trying to be, but I mean that you know perception is reality, and mm -hmm. so maybe I was, and so mm -hmm. the reason I bring up it's the only thing, it's really like the only fight we've had in like months. But she was really heated, like, and I was just wondering both of your thoughts on this subject. So my first question for you, I remember, was who does most of the cooking, like real, real cooking, not like chicken real, nuggets. Okay, all right. First of all, you don't have to be so like you know flippant about chicken nuggets the real like gourmet cooking or whatever that's mostly done by my wife baking right? that's mostly done by my daughter mm -hmm. yeah and she never cleans up after herself by the way i know that's why i think it's so funny that she likes to organize loves it she she's just like me i've she seen her room it well like, it's it's immaculate right now you can oh. she's a lot like me which is that left to her own devices stuff just piles up but she functions and is way happier and way less stressed when everything's put away and she knows where everything mm -hmm. is. But it's just not in either one of our natures to do, do that. We have to make ourselves do it. And like Annie was talking about uh, with her issue before, it's like, it's just, it's really hard to make yourself do that stuff. Like she's talking about, it's really hard to make those calls. And it's like, I get it. Like for me, it's like, it's really hard to make myself exercise. It's even though I know it'll make me feel better and stuff. It's really hard for me to really clean the shit out of a room um, even though I know it'll make me feel better but it's just really hard to start doing that stuff I do most of like the you know cooking that Beth doesn't respect and my That's wife not really cooking. Does, does most of the cooking there's an oven involved okay it's pushing a button Annie is it cooking for me it is because I just do frozen to oven I can do that and I can do box to stove top I'm pretty good at that or any fresh veggies mm -hmm or fruit um but my oldest daughter can cook all right and so the girls if they have a choice they want their sister to cook for them mm -hmm. you, you're asking me questions about who's cooking who's baking all that where are you going with this when you are the one doing the cooking you like to know where stuff is so i'm sure eventually your theoretical wife would like figure out where your daughter had put everything and she had and maybe then be like oh this is more functional and nice but when you come home right i don't know when like what the timeline was for this but if she came home and was expecting to cook something right like had in her head i'm going to make this for dinner and now i don't know where anything is in the fucking kitchen <laughs> yeah i would be livid also because i hate cooking like <sighs> she, she likes it but the the other side of that is i'm the one who puts everything away putting stuff away on a shelf where nothing fits and everything's falling down every time you open it and stuff like that's that stresses me out like crazy i do all the cleaning up like all of it like a hundred percent who decided where things would go originally in the kitchen i i would say it was a group decision but mostly her okay because i was gonna say like if you were the one who first put stuff away i wasn't okay all right well anyway we're, we're good now
Or we would be if this fight had happened. You worked through it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it lasted. Is the, is the kitchen slowly moving back to what it was pre-organization? No. It's staying no. organized? Yeah, and I personally like the flow better. The thing that she was really irritated about was that she was saying she was saying this stuff to me and then i kept explaining why i'd done it and so she said i was being really dismissive but the reason i was explaining it wasn't really trying to i, I just didn't want her to think i was doing it like callously i wanted her to understand oh i did this because it would make this easier i didn't you know i wanted her to know there was a reason but it was like i don't think she really that was helping very much mm -hmm. yeah I, I there's a part of me that thinks i know which nat showed up to that conversation which one? Which the one, one who made that face at me when you beat me at Kahoot. I think it's so funny how much you remember that. That was early on in our pod too. That was, you mm. know, that was like the first month of the pod. Mm -hmm. I have never seen a more smug expression in my entire life. But I was also doing that like to be funny. Like I, like there was. Were you? Yeah, absolutely. Were you? You think I'm not aware how I look? when I do that, I'm definitely doing it like to be funny. I'm not actually like that. That's like part of the persona. No, you were pretty proud of yourself for trouncing 10 year olds. No, I was proud of myself for trouncing you. <laughs> the 10 year olds were just collateral damage. And, well, and then they took a, a class vote, didn't they? To say like, no parents can play anymore or something like that. A vote might've been had, yeah. But yeah. I, we weren't, we were invited when we played though. It wasn't like we just like raided the game. I, I think know, they just so. they decided we were too smart and mm -hmm. you know they they thought we were like going to be those parents from Alabama that Annie was talking about your future my grandkids right yeah yeah the in-laws your son-in-law yeah or daughter well now it's Alabama I guess that wouldn't be cool right right yeah down there well they don't have to live there I'm probably going to cut this part out just in case anyone from Alabama is listening to the phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's like fuck them yeah. <laughs> Although it was Tennessee that just right the district in Tennessee that voted to ban mouse, which was yep. the first, which was literally the first uh, reading logbook that my daughter read this year and thought it was great. Yeah. So I don't know. I I side with your theoretical wife. I figured you probably would on this. I think a heads up would have been good. She would have said no. I know her well. No, it's the type of thing, look, lesson learned. I would, I'll never do it again. But here's the thing. And maybe you can both relate to this. Once I saw how like mad she was, even though I thought I had good reason for doing it, I said like, look, I'll put everything right back where it was. Like, I'll, I'm, I'm really sorry. I never would have done this in a million years if I knew that it would have upset you like this. And I'll, I'll put everything back exactly how it was. And then she was like, no, don't. And that's when you start getting the vibe kind of like, oh, you just want to fight with me. I feel like when I sent the text to you both initially, I feel like Annie's response was, were you just trying to have a fight? <laughs> when I said I moved stuff, I was like, well, no, I wasn't. But I guess I was asking for trouble. It's 3 a.m. and I cannot sleep. I'm tired and hot and trying not to weep. Why did he buy that fucking Jeep? It's perimenopause. And I just want to tell you, I was searching our analytics, like our anchor analytics, you know, for a podcast. Oh, yeah. Detail. And we have less than 1% of viewers from Alabama. So I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> less than 1%. That's what it says. Less than 1%. So. 
Are there any other groups that we can that we can offend that are? Oh, not, oh, not yeah, Vermont, Arkansas, Maryland. These are all less than one. Vermont, Arkansas, Maryland, Alabama, Maine, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Louisiana, Montana. Okay, there's a lot. Don't, don't <laughs> I think it's probably most of the country, and that's this is okay. just like a long-winded way of saying not very many people listen to this. <laughs> right, and that's okay. Yeah. We're doing it for us. Thank you for joining us today, um, Annie, Nat, and Beth here at Beth and Annie's Perimena podcast. Stay tuned for our next adventure and episode. Until then, lead on. Lead on. Turn marsupial overnight. The pouch down there gave me a fright. Why are my pants so fucking tight? It's perimenopause.